0: Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast, coming to you from the new academic multimedia studio on the University of Portland campus, produced by Academic Technology Services, with your hosts, Maria Erb and Sam Williams. Welcome to the UP Tech Talk podcast. Today we have with us Kurt Pedersen, who is the CIO at the University of Portland. Thank you, Kurt, for joining us. Oh, you're very welcome. My, my pleasure. So we had you on today because we wanted to talk about um, just your style of management and some of the things that you embody as a leader. And one of the things that you brought to the University of Portland that I know my department embraces and and many others in IS do as well is this idea of we listen, we care, and we respond. Um,
1: Can you tell us a little bit about where that came from?
2: I can. That's something that I've used for 25 years. It's been with me historical context. I've been in five diverse CIO jobs in the last 25 years. I was at a public utility, workers' comp, state CIO, Oregon State University, Oregon University System, and now UP, all as a CIO. My bio now includes having a CIO gene, which is (laughs) something I (laughs) I just discovered it, because I retired (laughs) from Oregon State University, December 2012. I obviously had no hobbies or desire to have a lot of leisure time, and uh, it kind of drove me crazy. It influenced me also, I had a couple of health issues, and I realized how precious life is, and I just sort of said to my wife, I'm not done yet, I'm gonna go out and do something else. And the, the neat thing in my life was I was able to choose something to do I wanted to do that I would love to do and didn't have to do. And that's such a good freeing thing and my overall philosophy as I've worked 25 years and mainly the public sector, it's not what you take, it's what you leave behind. And I wasn't through leaving stuff behind. I had a passion to try to go out and make a difference again. So my arrival at UP April 2013, um, it was it was great other than when I arrived, the morale seemed low. There'd been some tragedy. It The turnover was pretty high and it It looked—actually, it was more attractive because it made it more challenging. You didn't just come in and say, well, that's a hard act to follow. It was a hard act to follow, and I'm better for it. Uh, There's 44 employees at UP and IT, three departments— tech services, academic technology services, web and enterprise services. It was just a great mix of of sort of functions and skills. My initial focus was on engaging the leadership team and all the employees— I got to know them. I got to know their family. I don't have any hair, but what I had, I let down. <laughs> and uh, and I, I decided to uh, be a participant and really get to know people, And whether it was bowling or Battle of the Bands or whatever was coming up. And then I also have a philosophy that says, you look through the windshield, not the rearview mirror. I very rarely look back, and I don't have a lot of worry and regret. Now I've, I finally get to we listen, we care, we respond. I have used that slogan or tagline or philosophy at least three or four times in the 25 years. I started using it, and it always was for the same reason. I came into a new job, and they had giant posters on the wall that had mission, goals, objectives, plans, whatever it was, and no one could remember what they said. And so I have this philosophy that don't do anything like that unless you can print it on the back of your business card. So that's where I came up with we listen, we care, we respond. And people have said for many years, well, what does that mean? And I said exactly what it says, yeah. whether it's a student, whether it's a colleague, whether it's somebody that directly reports to me, just really do active listening, care about their issue, and then respond. And responding doesn't always mean yes. Responding could be an alternative. Responding could be no. But you you owe them the response that you give them, and and it's worked really well for me. I don't have to remember lofty goals or missions or a lot of objectives, and I go back to that. And as I was here the first year, I started having employees tell me that that works, and then I had customers that saw it as a byline on someone's email, and they mention the director, whether it's Sam or Lisa or Michelle, and they say or Anne, and they say I've seen evidence of that at work. They listened to me, they cared, and they responded, and I'm I'm really happy. And going back in time, there wasn't a time when I was as pleased as I was with information services, but I've, I've changed my mind, and it has to do the way the customer's treated.
0: Well, and I will say, you know, as uh, one of the directors, um, that we were blessed to have you come to our campus. Um, it's been an amazing adventure with you at the helm, and this idea of the we listen, we care, we respond, you know, it's, it, it just feels right. It feels good, you know, and it's this idea that we're providing the best customer service that we can. And and we have had people reach out and say, you know, I've had people send me an email directly and said, you, you embody that we listen, we care, we respond. And I, you know, we had it as our tagline, and sometimes you don't think people actually read to the bottom of the email. But it was really nice to actually see people, you know, noticed that. Mm -hmm. And it has been in our Salzburg um, Center mentioned it. Um, We've heard it here on campus and I've heard other people mention it about IT. And so um, I'm glad that you brought that philosophy um, to us at UP.
2: Well, thank you. I'm I'm just tickled to death the way it was embraced and people didn't think it was hokey or, oh, we're going to be into slogans. You started seeing it enough and then you started trying it. And that's all it takes is you have one experience and that leads to success, leads to success.
1: Yeah, and I think, um, as Sam said at the beginning, we also want to talk a little bit about your leadership style and some of the sort of um, philosophies around that that mm-hmm. you embrace. But I want to say as an employee that uh, you've definitely been the most unique <laughs> sort of upper, upper boss that I've ever worked for. And it stands out to me so much because... You know you're the one that remembers everybody's birthday. You're the one that, you know, feels it's very important to do these sort of human touch kinds of things. That is so unique, that really stands out. And I'm just wondering, where did that come from?
2: I think that came from maybe a family of seven children. <laughs> nice. My parents had their own business and everybody worked really hard. We all supported each other and I I learned a long time ago when I left the utility, I I rose pretty quickly there and became an executive and had a nice long title. And I decided one day I didn't want to work there anymore and I didn't have another job. And my brother, it drove him crazy. I wasn't working, coming from the background I did. So he brought me back to the cabinet shop that he brought from my father and he gave me the title of Director of Marginal Employees. (laughs) And uh, it really was. And I, I was happy because I could make a difference and I could replace some of these marginal employees or help them with employees that really did want to build cabinets and work there. And like I told my brother, don't just hire the next person that comes to the door. Hire somebody that really wants to do this. And at the end of the day, the nice part about building cabinets is you always knew what you did that day. You could see the end product sitting there by your bench and say, I built that. And that, that you don't always have that in the public sector. It's sort of a long-term goal to accomplish something. And I I think my roots help with the, the sort of, I think everybody's equal. My parents made sure that I grew up knowing that nobody was any different than anybody else. Everybody was the same. Everybody had the same feelings, the same desires, the same goals. And the more you look at that, we all have common denominators. And uh, they every, I want to be treated the same way I treat other people. And the only way you can have that happen is to treat other people that way. And then it seems like, They have the same respect. They listen, care, respond. Uh, When I got ill, even when I was here, uh, people gave so much care and tolerance and everything that I I I'm always appreciate that. But I think it's just your upbringing, being raised in a large family, sharing a lot, helping each other. And I had a sister that was profoundly disabled and and spent time just being with her and being around somebody that uh, didn't get as many gifts as we all did.
0: Well, I'd say definitely. Um, you know, going back to I, I pulled a quote out from earlier. It's this. Um, you know, focusing on what you leave behind, and mm-hmm. with the furniture, you know, you're leaving behind these great mm-hmm. um, pieces, and even you know, with all your stories and everybody you impact, you're leaving everybody with these, um, with these great memories and the, the you know these mentorship moments. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of leading into that, from the mentorship side, um, you know, I know you've talked recently about this I- this idea of multigenerational departments and you have a unique philosophy yep. on that. So if you can tell us a little bit about um, kind of what's coming up with you or some of the um, the stuff you have around that multi-generational management. Sure.
2: I have given this a lot of thought because of an invitation from something called the CIO forum that's being presented in Portland Thursday and Friday. And they wanted to know if I would be on a panel to discuss with all of the participants, how do you lead a multi-generational workforce and I gave that a lot of thought and I did some reading and I had all these different techniques that suggested on here's how you deal with this generation that generation well being the oldest employee that works in my department and probably one of the oldest who are active at UP um, I don't see people by generations I have this philosophy that said you treat everyone the same, you lead everyone the same, you take an interest in every employee, you find out sort of what makes them tick, something about their interests, their family, their significant others, and you. it's back to the listen, care, respond, I guess. But I, but I, I don't think of people being different because they're in these different generations. And you get to know them and it's sort of a humanistic approach. I think they would think it was phony if I tried to adopt Two or three different management styles depending on the audience I work for. And I, I don't believe you ever I don't like segmenting segmenting groups and saying this group is this or this group is that. I think it's a, it hurts you building a relationship with them. And I value age differences. I think if we didn't have people from their twenties to their sixties at UP and IT, we wouldn't have diverse conversations or thoughts. And I think that really helps. And the energy of the youth combined with the experience of the older people, I think that's really powerful.
1: Yeah, there's a a number of things that I want to say. Again, what stands out to me repeatedly is how unique this is. I mean, they're just... You really walk the talk. You know, anybody can kind of say what you're saying, but I see you do it all the time, and that's what's rare, and that's what really stands out. And I still wonder, how did that happen?
2: I just think it's the way I'm wired in my DNA. You know, when I've been up in the hospital and had health issues, the doctors say they wonder why I look look much better than I am. They say I look healthier than I am. And I think it's because you're happy. I had a philosophy I shared with some people in the chronic malignancy lab. Think of that. And uh, told a couple of them one day, you don't have to be healthy to be happy. And I'm not going to spend my life feeling like a victim or feeling sorry for myself or have somebody sitting there crying because I have some challenges that everybody has in life. I'm going to face them straight on and I'm going to strive to be happy regardless of anything that happens in the world. And I think that really makes a difference. As you get up in the morning and you're happy, you go to bed and you're happy, and you you sort of don't worry and regret about the things you can't change. You embrace them and uh, live with them. They're part of you.
0: And I love, um, oftentimes you'll come into the office and say, well, today this is my new normal. <laughs> um, and, you know, and that it really, it, it does bring a different light to um, the things that we um, deal with. You know, I'm dealing with some back problems, and I always remember, you know, those wor- your words, Come to me mm-hmm. every time I I want to complain. Um, I'm like, no, this is your this is your new normal for the day, and it really does help you reset your day.
2: Oh, you know? absolutely. I uh, I've had a couple times where I've I've been up at OHSU and I've they've given me some news and I I feel a little bit sorry for myself. <clears throat> and I tell people I walk over to Dornbecker's Children's Hospital, which is next door, and just look at the kids. And you see these kids that have lost all their hair and they're really sick. And you say how blessed I am to be as old as I am and actually have what I have. Because just think if, if you were two years old rather than in your late 60s, it would be so much harder to handle. You wouldn't have all that life that you've lived and all the memories.
1: Yeah, and again, we see this in you every day. And it just, it's just so striking that there's somebody who actually embodies you know, what, what you're talking about and, and does it. You know, that's different from just saying it. You do it. And when I tell people that, oh, yeah, our CIO is the the one that's organizing the birthday parties Mm -hmm. and signing the cards and doing all these things, they're just incredulous. Nobody believes that somebody actually is
2: like that. I just don't. I think we're all in this together. And because I'm the first one here in the morning, I don't always sleep. I get up around 4 a.m. and I come in early and make the coffee, clean the kitchen, put the dishes away. And people say, why do you do that? I said, because I'm here first. And I've always sort of been that way. I like to raise the flagpole, sweep the sidewalk, get everything ready for everybody else that comes behind me and then leave in the afternoon before you have to cross that darn bridge that's so (laughs) dangerous and crowded. One of the things I forgot to share was when you ask about my leadership, about 25 years ago, I became a facilitator in something called the Basic Principles from Zinger Miller. And I was able to, to present that course. I didn't teach anybody but I presented the principles to linemen, to administrators, to staff, to colleagues, and I learned more than I think my students did. But the basic principles are easy. You always focus on a situation, issue, or behavior, and never on the person. You just don't focus on people. You focus on what the issue is, and then you maintain self-confidence, self-esteem of others, maintain constructive relationships, take the initiative to make things better, you always lead by example. That answers some of your questions, Maria. And then think being on the moment. You know, if what I'm doing, is it going to cause good things to happen or could this be a sort of a thing that would be negative? And then I put learn it, love it, and live it. I added that to the basic principles. And that's been a really guiding force. I've handed that out <clears throat> to every management team I've worked with. Not everybody embraces it as easy as some. I think Sam leads that or lives that as well as the, the other directors so I'm I'm very happy to be in an environment where that's sort of rewarded
0: Oh, and um, I'm I think I speak for all the directors when I I say thank you um for um creating this environment and 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 allowing you know this um this high touch um style of management because there's not a lot of um of places that will embrace um, that they'll they'll make you go to conferences, they'll make you go to these trainings, they'll make you go to that stuff, and then when you go back to work, it's business as usual. And I think what you've created with this community here, and I will put emphasis on community, um, is this idea that you walk the walk and talk the talk. Like, it, you you learn these things, you learn this um, these ways of doing stuff better or leading by example, but you actually bring it to the office, um, which I think, you know, is... Definitely something that you have brought to us is this idea of lighting these um, candles around us and being like, hey, you know, it's okay to try out these different management styles, and it's okay to, um, to be high-touch in, in your management style and not just very data-driven um, and yeah. outcomes-driven. That's right. Oh, um, well, thank
2: you. That, that makes me feel really good, and I don't – what I do, I generally don't do intentionally which I think is is what makes it easy for me, is it just comes naturally. Yeah. And anything else wouldn't. I've tried to change at times. I remember back in my early utility days, people thought you should be more serious <laughs> <clears throat> because we were having these horrible, serious problems, and utility had gotten involved in nuclear power and looked like we were going to go bankrupt. And for a while I was the CFO, and everybody else had such a sad face And yet I saw it as an opportunity to help settle some of these issues we had with all this debt and everything, and to find a nice way to downsize the utility and live within our means and was part of that. And yeah, it takes its toll because they're real human beings. Early on in life, I thought of people sort of as FTEs on a spreadsheet. Didn't take me long to figure out they're all people and they all have a story. And every time you lay off an employee or you close a program, it's the people it's not the the function itself, so it, it maybe it's just experience that shaped me the way I am. But what I tried seemed to work better for me than other things I tried that were more formal and textual.
0: Well, I know for me, I kind <clears throat> of couple takeaways for me um, that I've been writing down is like you know take interest in every employee um, and don't think of people as different. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I thank you for those words plus everything else that you brought to this to us today um in the podcast good well thank you very much i'm happy i did it
1: we are too thank yes. you thanks a lot Kurt. You
2: bet.
0: thank you for joining us for another episode of the up tech talk podcast just a reminder that we post a new podcast every friday morning and you can find us at techtalk.up.edu